What's up, Catching Up With Cub listeners? We are on a mission to make this podcast Australia's number one entrepreneurial podcast. And if you enjoy listening, you can help us do so by rating us five stars and leaving us a review. Your reviews will help other listeners find our show and it lets me know what you want to hear more of. I'm so incredibly grateful for your support. Now let's get to the show. Hello, Legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today, we're catching up with Cub member Amrita Abbott, the founder and CEO of Anacha, an Australian e-signing platform that is taking on the likes of DocuSign and innovating the space. Amrita shares her personal story, leaving her small country Victoria town as a pregnant young 20-year-old woman to becoming a successful technology entrepreneur, having exited her first business for tens of millions of dollars and now onto her second. Amrita is a huge advocate of partnerships having successfully partnered with companies like Qantas and Zero, and shares how you can grow your business through strategic partnerships also. She is an incredibly funny and cool person. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Amrita. Thank you for having me. I mean, the listeners should all know that we actually don't know each other all that well. This was the first time we've we've probably met. So, yeah, it is. So we're going to be um, yeah, we're going to be having our first real <laughs> catch conversation, up conversation, getting to know each other in front other. of thousands of people. <laughs> but but no, it's a pleasure to have you because you are a very, which I found out very <laughs> just quickly with our conversation before this. You're an extremely funny person, but but you're also incredibly uh, impressive and and intriguing because. Um, while you're currently on uh, many boards for many companies, you're and you currently uh, are running a it's a fintech company, isn't it? Correct. You've also previously sold, um, successfully sold for, for 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 lots of money. I, I don't know if you want to say or not, but you you sold uh, another technology business. Um, uh, how long ago was that? So I sold that in 2020. Oh, so not long ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, so it's all pretty uh, yeah, recent my, what you were telling me. My shares me. actually on the 1st of Feb just came out of escrow. Oh. So, yeah, I've just been celebrating. Okay. Uh, well. <laughs> celebrating very, very loud and proud. <laughs> As you would, I'd be doing the same thing. I'm surprised you're in Australia still. I would have headed straight to the South of France. But, yeah. um, but no, nah, so it's a, it's a pleasure having you here and – uh, where are you from? Are you from Sydney? Are you from? Because you live in the Gold Coast. Yeah, originally born in Victoria, but spent most of my life um, in on, on the Gold Coast. But um, for my business life, um, always transiting um, Sydney, Sydney Gold Coast. Okay, and so, you, but you, uh, how long were you in Victoria? Did you move to Gold Coast when you were? Oh gosh, an adult, I, was, I was born in a country town. So the moment that I could get out, um, at the age of seventeen, I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> I vacated as soon as possible. I was born in a country town with five thousand people. So no, wow. that, that that didn't serve me justice whatsoever. So as soon so you as I hit eighteen, yep, and gone, ran, gone, ran. And what what, what um, uh, nationality are you? Are you, are you I'm, I'm from? a true blue. You're. 
True blue Aussie. True Country blue. Vic Aussie. <laughs> you, you could almost pass though as like a little bit of Mediterranean, I reckon. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you'd think so. Um, you know, my family looks like it too, by the way. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would I actually guess like, I don't know, Italian, Greek, Spanish. Oh, like, We've got Spanish in us. Yeah, yeah I, I would imagine. And so you've, you you left Victoria. Why? Just because you were looking for more? Um, by the Well, actually, the, the, <laughs> the gods would have it that I would fall pregnant. Um, and so, um, yeah, I. I left and, um, you know, went. You fell pregnant, then but, left. Yeah, well, I actually left a little bit earlier. I um, finished school, wanted to actually get out. I said to my mum and dad, um, this town is not big enough for me, so I left. Um, I did return home and then I fell pregnant, had a um, baby on the way and then moved to the Gold Coast. Okay, and you moved while pregnant? Yes. What was the reason for that? Escape, how old were you? Escaping. I, I was, um, you know, I was 20. So I, I decided that it was best for me to move out and not tell anyone in the country that I, oh, sorry, in my small town that I was pregnant. So um, I remember ringing mum one day and said, what's the gossip? And she said, you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I escaped all the gossip. So I, I left and went to the Gold Coast to, um, yeah, to have my son. Oh my god! So you're twenty. Yeah, you're alone. Yes. In that you haven't got your family around. Mind you, mind you, I did have protection, and I was on the pill, so it was meant to be. Yeah. But um, yes. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> it's supposed to happen. Yeah. But 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 my point was, you didn't have family in the Gold Coast. No. So your family no. were in Victoria. No. So he's a twenty-year-old woman. Was your boyfriend with you, or, or? Well, no, we weren't together. But I found him. He was on the coast. Okay. So. <laughs> So you went to um, a twenty-year-old young twenty-year-old woman is pregnant, moves to the Gold Coast, and what's going through your head? Are you like it set my path for? I've got to go and financially set myself up. That um, was that was the that was my ultimate goal. That was my ultimate goal. That now this is it. So I could could have gone two ways. It could have been well. You know, um, here is Centrelink, or the fact is that I actually want to run hard and make a life for myself. And I always had the goal at that stage, um, and very from probably from the age of sixteen, I wanted to be a millionaire and own a BMW by the age of thirty. <laughs> so that was my goal. Okay, so you were just born ambitious. You felt but, that from a young without age, without a doubt, without a doubt. And then, are you saying that um, being pregnant and knowing that you were going to have a child, that kind of lit a I guess, a greater sense of urgency? Yeah, it was a catalyst for me to actually start. So the first thing I did was, um, you know, start to um, save up my money. And and by the, at that age um, and at that stage, I should say, was, um, you know, buying a home was the first thing in mind. And I accomplished that at the age of 21. Wow. So that was the first thing that I did. And what were you doing for work at the time? Um, whilst, How were you working, I yeah, guess? Because yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, so whilst I was pregnant, I actually started um, Tupperware and I was the um, Australian-New Zealand leader um, for… Selling Tupperware. <laughs> selling Tupperware. I was making, making $10,000 a month. I had the biggest team <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, whilst I was pregnant. But as soon as I finished um, my pregnancy and I went to purchase a home, I actually went to a financial advisor that was helping me out. But unbeknown to me, I knew more than his team. And so he offered me a job and that started my career in finances. Wow. And so at that point, have you had, had you had your son or are you still pregnant? I had my son. Okay. So you had your son and now you're working at a finance, uh, now a financial planner. Now I was a financial planner. <laughs> yeah. I was a financial advisor and I took over his realm. Yeah. Was, wow. Yeah. And did, but what was your back? How did you 
I guess, how did you have the knowledge to become a financial advisor? I was reading lots. I was actually just understanding and, you know, the friction points. What what was it taking for me to actually excel? Um, I was reading Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. I was reading books. I was trying to work out how am I going to get ahead while everyone was partying. I was thinking I've got this small child. I've got this um, other person that I was trying to care for that had no idea whatsoever. <laughs> uh, it wasn't really helping me but, um, you know, I was just thinking I've got to make it and I was still trying to make that goal of being a millionaire by the age of 30. So um, just reading, reading, reading and trying to excel and then once I landed this job within the financial services, um, there were other people around me that were educating me and I was thinking how am I going to climb that corporate, you know, ladder and my father said to me, there's no reason to own the sorry climb the corporate ladder. You need to own it, and that was my goal. Wow. Yeah. So powerful, some powerful words yeah. from the old man. Yeah, my old man. Yeah, he and so he kept feeding me books, and I kept reading and keep climbing. Wow. Mm. And and it's so cool to have. It's always it's amazing what a, a supportive parent or I guess a, motiv- a motivating parent can, yeah, can, and the it's, impact it can have. It really is and considering my dad was uneducated, he finished um, school when he was 13. So he was really, really right behind me going, if you're going to change, you're going to change. And, you know, it was kind of embarrassing having a child so young and particularly when, you know, my parents thought that I was the only one that had the real opportunity to excel. So I really wanted to prove them right that I still did regardless of whether I had a child young. So... I, you know, I really held on to that dream for them um, and kept trying to prove them that, hold on, I, I'm going to make it. Just yeah. wait. Just wait. It, it, it is. It's the ultimate motivator. And, it, you know, there's probably um, some it, young women or women of any age listening to this episode that are probably in the current, you know, in the same position <laughs> that you were or, or have been through that and, and uh, you know, listening to kind of how it motivated you. Um, and I guess you already had the ambition, so you already a- were aiming in the right direction, but it kind of gave you more fuel to get there absolutely, faster. Absolutely. Um, that's just, it's just super cool. And so how long did you stay at the financial uh, planning? Firm? So from the financial advisor, um, I was then um, poached for, uh, by the dealer group. So it comes in a hierarchy. So the advisor then has a dealer group and the dealer group then poached me. Um, so I ended up working for the dealer group and then from the dealer group I was poached by the accounting firm um, to help them. GST was coming into play, went and worked for the dealer group. Then I I became a platinum advisor um, for that which um, from there I thought, you know what, I can actually do this by myself. I'm going to go out on my own. And from there which then segued into the documentation space which led to now infinity. Um, and Bef- before we get into infinity, yeah. were you about to get into infinity? Or I was segueing into that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So before we yeah. do, I, I just, there's an interesting, interesting pattern that I wanted to bring up, which was that you yourself, so you, you had a job as a financial planner, but from what I understand, you were doing that because you were so interested in your own personal finances that you wanted to find a job that could help you learn and surround yourself, put yourself in the environment of which helps you learn more about financial planning and getting ahead financially yeah. s- to serve yourself as well. So it was like, yeah, I had a job, but it was a job that was serving me at this point in time with what I wanted uh, while I'm thinking of what I want to get to, yeah. you know, what my business, what while I'm figuring out what my business is, I had a job that helped me give, 
give me the knowledge I needed at that point in time before I had my business. Correct. But also along the way I could actually, I was always thinking about um, when I was serving clients, you know, could I put my mum in it? Could I put my sister in the position? Could I put my brother or, you know, my daughter or someone? Like so I was actually finding friction points within the industry that actually was not that comfortable for me. So that was when I realised that there's something fundamentally wrong that I needed to fix. What do you mean by that? What, what do you mean? What, what type? So, what, what's an example of a know, friction point? It was a friction point that I was. There was a delay in time. There was always something that was holding up the process. There was a friction in um, the documentation. There was a friction in that. There was a delay in selling the shares. There was a friction in. Um, the communication process. So I started to realise that we were, the people that were involved were the problem of actually delivering their dream. There was a friction point in that we were delivering or delaying the selling of the shares or things like this. So Any sort of financial transaction. Yeah, the, yeah this, this transaction. So I knew then, you know, at the age of 25 or 26 that there was flaws in everything. So when everyone wanted to sell down or when everyone wanted to purchase or when everyone wanted to have a plan, it just took so much time and effort. So at that stage, I was starting to realise that there was an there was a fundamental issue that I needed to speed up this, this action. And this is where by the age of 30, um, I was thinking I needed to start to change this way because my clients were desperate and because the GFC kicked in, they were even more so desperate of how can I quickly action this. Speed. Speed. Yeah, the GFC speed. crash. Speed. I want it, to, when I need to do so, change, I need the speed. Yeah, and the inefficiency and the desperation that was coming from them really needed action and we weren't able to deliver that. So I was starting to think in a different mindset than what I was before when everything was rosy, it was fine. But when it wasn't so rosy, people's money and people's desperation was on the line and I really wanted to change that. So that's my mind shift. And I moved then and I decided to quit the financial services advisory side and make a move onto the other side. So basically you realised that this could be done better. Yes. And so while the job was serving you on a knowledge basis personally, you actually noticed, well, wait a second, these people aren't, uh, transacting and helping their clients as fast as their clients want. And Correct. if I can create something that does it faster, Correct. boom, I have my business and I'm on my way to get my BMW and my millions. Yeah. Well, the thing is I, I by the age of 30 I did um, I did actually get to a million, but I gave up on the BMW. I decided a Mercedes. Yeah, it's much nicer, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to hold it it's against It's funny me. what 12 years make, but I decided yeah, BMW was out the door, Mercedes was in. So, <laughs> yeah, I made it, right? Um, well, you I, did. You did. I, I can't say that. I can't say that it was all my money. There was a lot of debt attached to that. But hey, course, but, but it doesn't matter. But you did because making it is only um, for that particular goal. For example, if someone says, "Oh, I want to buy my first home by 30. yeah, you know, and they buy a home, it doesn't matter if it's a small home, it's a home that they, they they don't want. It's not their final home. It doesn't matter. You said you want to buy a home by thirty. If you've bought a home by thirty, well, you've made it. You've made yeah. that goal, and and if you Setting keep setting all. goals, <laughs> yeah, because if you keep setting these goals and you keep making them, yeah. by the time you're um, 40, 50, 60, it just keeps you keep getting further and you keep getting Correct. further, and so you really have to making it has to, it can't be a like a 
oh, he's super rich, he's made it, because it's not a financial thing. It's it's there's stages of making it in yeah. in a sense. Well, where you are now, for example, is I mean, yeah, okay, you probably say you've made it, but again, really. maybe in your head you yeah. haven't. Maybe no. in your head you're saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm I'm working on this new business now. Oh, I still feel very sure of where I need to make it. Yeah, yeah. and it's just this weird mindset. It's kind of like you always just have to work to the next goal and and not be deterred by your ambitions in your head. It happens to me all the time. Like I'm like, oh, my God, like how how am I so poor? Like I just <laughs> – like I want all this stuff and I, I can't – Oh, how can I not buy that? Like, And it's ridiculous things I want. I but, know, but right? But in your head you and so you've got to not – you know, you've got to fight that sometimes. Be like, oh, well, relax, man. Like you've made it. Because I had made to fly Jetstar yeah. this morning because it's the only flight out of the Gold Coast. I'm like, <laughs> what is happening to me? <laughs> Sitting in the economy and Ford, 14D on the seat. But, yeah, like this is my life. <laughs> yeah, but 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 because in your head you're like, oh, oh you're well. <laughs> on my own plane, yeah, but 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 it's it's just it's I guess I, I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing, but it's probably a very common mentality of very ambitious people. You know, they True. you have True. to relax, hold your horses, man, and and just just make this step. Yeah, you know, what's yeah. this step? Okay, so so and, well, that's amazing to hear that you, you did that. So, was it scary to quit your job to start your first business? No, it actually wasn't. I was. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be for you. <laughs> no, I was. I was. I was probably what I wouldn't say. I was arrogant. I was just really determined and very um, convinced that I, again. I, I always went by the rule. Like, could I help my mom? Could I help my grandma? Could I help my sister? And if I couldn't answer these um, questions clearly um, with a really confident yes, then I knew something was wrong. So I went out my own and just said, right, I've got to speed up the documentation process. Um, it's not something that I love documents. <laughs> I just hated the process that it was just taking too long. I was typing out these documents all the time, like one after the other, going, why am I repeating this process? This is just insane. And everyone knows that a template is a template and everyone knows that we could use mail merge and all this sort of shit, right? But why am I doing it over and over again? It just seems so silly. So what, you'd have to type the, the document every time? Is that yeah, what's happening? Yeah, that, that's right. So if someone wants to open a trust, yeah. you'd have to type up the whole trust. Just again. But whereas you could just copy and paste it. Yeah, you copy and paste But I could just have a website where the client could put it in and I could throw it out within two seconds. Mm. Oh, so the client puts in the details, it's the trust yeah. thing. It's so, it sounds so simple and it, it sounds – It almost sounds stupid as to how no one was doing it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right. Go back 10 years, no one was actually doing this. So I built a web form, people put it in and it spat it out within two minutes. And <laughs> I had now infinity. <laughs> done and so and so I, the company was called now infinity and that's and what it, it did it yeah, just templated like infinity documents. documents now yeah so, <laughs> that's so clever that's a great name it's it was and it was just so simple like that so i went and looked for a developer um that could help me and i you know i went online it wasn't a dating website by the way it was actually a developing website it was elance at that stage we turned to freelance we turned to upwork he was on two dollars an hour from the ukraine and he 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 actually astonishingly said to me this will never work you're providing a pdf and you're wanting to charge 495 dollars for it over and over again (laughs) i said trust me it's going to work because the clients are charging two to three thousand dollars for this one trust like it's gonna work. Mm-hmm. So he said, but the technology is really simple. 
We're just converting a Word document to a PDF. Now, I'm sorry for those listeners out there who are just astonished and the people, the ones that are listening going, what the I fuck? I paid my accountant three grand for that. <laughs> exactly. She just got it from you <laughs> for 500 bucks. No shit. This is hilarious, right? But it fucking worked. <laughs> <laughs> so we said, okay, if it works for one document, it's going to work for 70. There's, there's 70 of these bastards that they needed to do. So he did one. And people loved it. So what really, really changed though, we actually stopped the the process of charging per document. I said, let's make it a subscription. So they paid us a yearly fee to have unlimited documents. So what happened then for the accountants that they had a fixed set fee for the year and they could create as many documents as they wanted. So it their bottom line was now set. Whereas beforehand they were paying a third-party provider each and every time where with us they just knew their bottom line was 30 grand, whatever, and they were charging their clients up to $100,000 to $250,000. <laughs> so it was just gold and we had just an abundance of clients that were doing this over and over and over again. So that's where Now Infinity was born and it was heaven. And so how long did Now Infinity take from inception to sale? So we were eight years. Um, we were eight years in the making. It took us three months to be profitable. We bootstrapped it. We didn't have any borrowings or anything like that. But within three months we were profitable. We were right in the money. Wow. And is that because you didn't have to have many staff? You really just needed the, someone to build that little… We just that- needed just one developer on $2 an hour from Ukraine. <laughs> Um, Vitali, Vitali, by the way, um, he then migrated. We couldn't get him into um, Australia because they didn't accept his visa or they didn't accept him as Ukrainian coming in. So he he backdoored through um, New Zealand. He stayed there for two years and finally got accepted that way in. And then we recruited a few more Macedonians, um, a couple more Ukrainians. Then what happened, I was I met uh, Michael Gerber from Emith and he said, look, I think you should set up um, um, outsourcing and at that stage the Philippines was the location. So I went there. I set up a small team um, of uh, outsourcing there. They helped me, you know, work with ASIC because we became the biggest ASIC corporate compliance platform. So I actually then built up these modules that were actually helping Facilitate. So we then were the biggest ASIC corporate compliance provider. We had like this two point. What does that mean? So there was two. There's two point seven million companies in Australia, and we were looking after seven hundred and fifty thousand companies. So every time you set up a company, you had to register that with ASIC. So you, mum and dad, they come into the accountant or yourself want to set up a business called Cub. You have to set up a company. We go to the accountant. The accountant does that. So that was all coming through our system. And we bolstered this onto our platform. So not only were we doing the documents, we were registering companies. We were then looking after all the directors and all the shareholders. And that whole system was coming through us. So we were the largest um, corporation compliance system that was actually going through. So we were running on the seat of our pants and all of a sudden and I think this was that 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 moment where I was looking around and going oh my lord I have a technology company not just this documentation not just one developer I ended up with 40 you know developers and probably and I was a minority by the way at that stage I had more 
um, offshore um, team members than what I did Australian. I, I was probably, there was only probably about three of us here and everyone else was actually located elsewhere. But um, that was a surreal moment when I found out I actually was in fintech. Wow. And also that was kind of before it was trendy yeah. to have the offshore. Yeah, like, it, it, really yeah. it really was. It really was. you would have had to learn a lot of that yourself. Well, I moved to the Philippines because I was actually in Hawaii when I met um, Michael Gerber. And he was a guest speaker at one of my conferences. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you want to just explain who Michael Gerber is? And so he's the, is he the author of the E-Myth. book The E-Myth? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. a very famous book especially. Very famous book and he was all about, um, you know, you know, really kind of, you know, shortening and taking the easy way of actually outsourcing, you know, your business and making sure that the delegation part of it um, was prominent in your business. So... When when I met him in Hawaii, um, he just said, look, you know, obviously don't do things the hard way. Try and simplify it and if you can outsource or delegate it, do that. And so rather than me heading straight back to Australia, I then took a detour to the Philippines. And Philippines was just on the nose then, just just starting to become recognised as an outsourcing um uh, outsourcing locations. So I landed, I had no idea where I was, had no idea what I was doing, turned up, I interviewed five people and I can tell you the last person that I interviewed was this five foot nothing girl um, named Dessa and she had a voice like a little bird like, hi, my name is Dessa. And to this day she is the most experienced Australian ASIC, which is Australian Security um, you know, Commission, um, advanced person here. She's and, done the most work for And ASIC. she is still here with me today. So I actually then took her from the Philippines, migrated her here, and she's about to get her citizenship. She'll end up being here um, for life um, and she's still with me. She, so, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was phenomenal what we did, but... Um, yeah, it's really crazy. And also the same with Vitaly, Vitaly from the Ukraine. So he ended up being all the way in his now. Also Australian, <laughs> Good. He's also Australian citizen. He ended up being a shareholder and um, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's an incredible yeah. story. And and um, and so you sold it. How did that happen? So like how did that come yep. about? Yep. Um, and then maybe what was the feeling like after you've lost sure. your baby? Yeah, that, that's your business, baby. That that is the precise probably term for it. So now Infinity continued to grow. We ended up with thousands of clients, and it got to the point where we were approached by a public listed company called Class. Um, they were very interested in the documentation play, um, and we thought it was time that um, we could expand into. Um, into, into their company and we thought it was the right time. Um, I was very excited about that. Um, I could see the potential that they could actually um, bring to the table. So a part of that transaction was for me to transition to the chief of growth um, for that company. They had an existing CEO there. And so Vitaly and I, um, both as the key two players, um, went across, but the whole team was absorbed by um absorbed by class as well. So that was really quite um, quite um, exciting for them as well. Um, that lasted five months. Um, the under- sale process. 
the sale process no lasted very it was very quick but the the process of the two founders or the two major players doesn't last unbeknown to me they don't actually like founders being around that often (laughs) for very long Mm. um so we finished up and I can tell you um, that was something that I was not prepared for and I think that anyone that's listening that has actually sold a business, you do wake up somewhat um, in despair. It was the 1st of July, I can remember. Um, 1st of July, I woke up with no email. Um, I just still have my mobile number, I recall that. But you have no team members, um, you have nothing left except for supposedly some money and where do you go um as an entrepreneur um entrepreneurs are very different we just have a unique way of making money um and that just disappears and you lay in bed and going wow and i got a call from the ceo um of the of the company that purchased said congratulations, you can now live on the beach and just have a great life. And I was like, that's not what we're made of. We really aren't made of that. We're actually made of going out and building empires. So um, whilst whilst it was great, I actually never celebrated. I never celebrated the sale of the company. Um, I don't mean to be sombre about it, but I celebrated the wins all the way through of every single milestone we had, but never the sale of the of the business at all. It's almost it would have been like a morning. <laughs> like a- well, you know, they do say that um, there is actually a study there that um, you know it is actually the de- you know it's almost like the death or the grieving of losing a baby, um, and I didn't know that. No one prepared me for that whatsoever, but. It's only now that my shares are coming at escrow that I now I'm celebrating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm back. I'm back. Now I'm like, woohoo, we finally made it. Yeah. <laughs> and did you jump straight back into starting a new business or it, did you get on some boards? What, what I guess what was the process? Yeah, look, I, I did because there was, you know, you have restraints on you and I had one restraint that, um, sorry, I had restraints on me so I was very restricted what I could do but there was one thing that I could do and that was e-signing. So electronic signatures. We were producing 5,000 documents per day with Now Infinity and we were using DocuSign as the e-signing component. So this was something that was absolutely adamant on and I was absolutely floored by the way that they were treating us. They were charging us an absolute mozza and I could see that this was an angle that I could go for. So I produced a company called Anitro. It took me a little bit of, mm, let's just say a month or so for me to get my shit together and put myself you know, back together and get my game game face on and went, right, Anitra, here we come. And that was an e-signing, Australian-based, Australian-owned, data-sourced here and we started. So uh, it just it just took me a little bit of while to actually set up a new email address and go, right, I'm back. So <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take long but I can tell you. And to take on a big company, I mean, they've been around for 20 years, they've got a million customers and I thought I'm going to give them a nudge. And the reason why I say that is because they were actually, you know, charging $5, do- $5 per document to sign and – I remember asking them throughout, and I was an ambassador for them actually throughout the duration, and I remember saying to them, why do you charge so much? And they said, because we can. 
And that was enough motivation. <laughs> that was enough motivation for me to say, right, I'm coming for you boys. And, and but it's interesting because they're two very different styles and strategies of starting a business. The first business, you were the first mover in the market. Yeah. So you didn't have competition. And I guess I, I did want to ask you, did people start copying and did competition come? But of you didn't have competition to start. And so you you kind of innovated the space first, whereas your current business – you're not the first. In fact, there's a big major player and you've come in to to kind of improve how they do it or I don't know, to disrupt their their hold on the market. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, with Now Infinity we did have, we did have competition um, but, you know, my goal is always about, you know, and I think, so not goal, I should say my philosophy is always about don't look too much at the competitors um, because you end up following them. Um, but I'm a big believer about partnership and distribution. So you pick your allies, you pick your team, you know, and you pick who you should partner with. And with Now Infinity, my biggest partnership was Zero. Um, Zero was my biggest um, marketing and sales team. So I picked them as an ally, and they were my biggest distribution channel. When I moved to Anitcher, which is an e-signing platform, I looked exactly the same for another big brother. And I thought of no one else better that could actually help small to, be, small to medium businesses and we landed with Qantas. So I knocked on Qantas's door and said, you know, and particularly because of COVID, they weren't flying. So they were looking for other revenue streams, other avenues, and they were selling their Qantas frequent flyer points or business reward points. And, and I said to them, do you need an e-signing? Do you need something a little bit different? And they were pleasantly thrilled to have an e-signing um, provider. And I said, I know it's a little bit abnormal. I know you, but you can earn Qantas points by having signatures. And they said, well, this is actually a bit different. It's not wine. It's not, you know, whatever else they sell because they sell quite a lot of different things. And so they said, let's, let's try it. And so I was so happy that they said, we're going to take you on board. And, and, and right now we're actually sitting on the Qantas magazine in the lounge. We're actually all over the lounge. Um, and so now we've got Qantas sitting behind us. So I always look for those partners. And all of a sudden now you've got a whole raft of sales team that's actually now promoting Anitra out there. And one of the best things about Qantas is that they will only pick Australian brands to support and so stay iconic, stay Australian, and here we have the big kangaroo sitting behind us. And so whilst picking on a big brand such as DocuSign, which is so global, um, here in Australia, if we can only get, you know, 10, 10% of it, I mean, we're huge. We've got about a 300% growth capacity right now, um, and I think Anitra's going to get there. Wow. And, and when you said, like, oh, knock on the door of Qantas, what does that actually look like? What actually looks like is me ringing <laughs> and saying, you know, if you are serious about supporting locals, um, he, here is an opportunity. And the same way I did with with Zero, I actually went to Rod Jury, who's a CEO, and said, I have something for you. I'm setting up all these companies, all these trusts, which means that you have zero organisations, which you need zero accounts. They all need to actually do their accounting software. So here they are with Qantas. I said, I've got something that actually is producing, you know, again, another 5,000 documents per day, which means 5,000 Qantas points. Do you and so why? Because when someone uses your... Um, Every time they uh, sign... Anitra to sign document, they get a Qantas point. Or correct. That's right. That's right. And so they want to sell Qantas points. And I've got something that everyone needs to sign because through COVID, people couldn't see each other. 
So you could send it out and get electronically signed, you know, particularly in Melbourne at that time where we had such a restriction, you couldn't travel even within the 5K radius. So how do you sign a document? Well, you could sign it through Anature. We had it. We were covering all the government forms. We were covering all the state forms, all these types of things. So we were sending them out and then all of a sudden people wanted to earn Qantas points. Whilst they weren't flying but they were certainly buying wine and so <laughs> it actually worked out really, really well. Yeah, and I said, thank you. It's interesting too because not only did you take advantage of the disaster that was happening in terms of, okay, well, you know, Qantas is looking at innovative uh, ways to sell points and, and to, to do that type of thing. So you, you found a positive from a negative. Correct. You then, um, who'd you call? Did you look up who the partnerships manager was or how did you figure out who to call to when yeah. you were calling Qantas? Yeah, I just, I just um, looked up the business rewards manager <laughs> and rang him and said, have I got a deal for you? Yeah. So, but and you, then he rang his manager and said, I think we've got a really good deal. <laughs> this is, we're in the ten technology space. Yeah, and, but you, what, what's cool about that is you used a partnership to almost build yourself a sales force without having to pay for it. You have one. to have courage. You have to have courage. One one big thing in a startup is just courage. Um, you have you can't be fearful. Um, and I, one of the things that people ask me, um, what's failure failure look like? Um, I don't know it. I, I really don't. I've never experienced it. Um, I'm sure there's times where things haven't worked out, but I don't know it. I just keep on keeping on and the courage is what really sets me apart. I think that people might let me down or I might have been, you know, somewhat haven't reached the goal that I wanted to reach but just the courage, just you just keep knocking, you just keep going and you go and you go and you go and if people say no, well, they're just not the right people. You just go again and again and I, I don't think anyone's turned me back. I, I just have that sort of personality that, well, why would they? And your your um your use though of partnerships, you're you're staying slim as a business by creating great partnerships. Hundred percent, they're my allies. They're my they're my sales That's team. What, yeah, and yeah. so you don't need to recruit all these salespeople yeah. and all these things. No. You can just find great partnerships which which act in the same yeah. capacity. And how do you manage those partnerships? How do you how do you kind of stay? Because I'm assuming there'd be some good communication between you. Or? Yeah, lots of love. Mm, it's got to be love. You've got to share the love. I mean, you treat them like your own team. You've, you've really got to show the love. And they will bend over backwards. They will keep selling your product like there's no tomorrow. And and having an open um, API, making sure that the software is very interactive and, and the integrations are perfect. So if it's good for me, it's good for them. And then, all you know, it, it can be shared. So... Um, I make sure that our software is easily readable. I make sure there's no secrets behind it. I don't keep proprietary. Like I, I make sure that it's open for everyone. So if it's good for them, so I, I know that with Anature, um, I've bolstered it onto probably another 20 platforms. So then they've all got e-signing now within their platform. So they've actually accelerated their growth of their, you know, of their software. And the benefit of going through Anitra rather than DocuSign is that you've made Anitra cheaper and also Australian. 100%. So it's cheaper and you're supporting Australian yep. business. Why wouldn't you use it? We've teamed up with the likes of Stripe. Um, so now putting on Stripe, so now there's identification pl platform with that. So everyone knows what Stripe's like. People think Stripe's just payment platform. They're identification. So again, now we've just added another big brother. 
So it's it just flows on. <laughs> You're really cool. You're really <laughs> incredible. And so what's the goal for Anachai? Is it um, – what are your ambitions for it? Well, what, well, actually, what's you know what's making it? What's the next making it? Uh, so the next making, obviously, um, with Anature, we're, we're actually going to expand it to identification and payment solutions. Um, but really, I'm guided by my young team. I I've got a CTO that's 25, and this is his first gig. So I'm I'm letting him roll with it for a little, for a little while. But um, no, I think I think we'll just keep going. I think this year's a 300 growth. Um, would like to see it just take over now infinity. So I feel like we're on a couple of million dollars short of where I was for the last one. So I don't know. We'll wait and see. Awesome. Well, you know, we're very excited to watch it happen and obviously very proud to have you as a member. Um, I guess why don't we wrap up with, with maybe your greatest lesson in business. You've got two sons. So if you maybe think about if you had to teach them one thing or give them one piece of advice um, on their business journey or career journey, what would that be? I, I still think just be courageous, really. They, they're they much smarter than me, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. they, <laughs> they're much smarter than me. They don't do idiotic things like me. <laughs> <laughs> you sound a lot like me. <laughs> they're always what? telling me off. They're always telling me like, Mom, what the fuck? Why would you do that? But I think so. Like some of the lessons you've taught me in this episode, for example, yeah. of course – be courageous to, to, to go for things as an entrepreneur yeah. was one essential one. But one that I really liked was, um, or a few that I liked is, you know, before you're a business owner, get a job that teaches you something that you actually want to learn about. Yeah. Um, the other thing I got was uh, you, when you're small, instead of having to bring on lots of people, uh, build partnerships that you can leverage instead of bolstering your yeah, costs. One hundred percent. Go find great partnerships. Anitra is a team of three. That's crazy. Team of three. That's crazy. Good profits but, and but, good, but good massive sale price. distribution channels. Yep. That's so, all I do. All I do. My whole job is partnerships and distribution. I just keep asking people, "Can you help me?" And we can do this for you. Actually, me and you should catch up very soon because we need to do some partnerships for Cubs. You could probably teach me a few things. It's all I do is just go and talk to people, say, like with Zero. So Zero's got a hundred, sorry, a thousand add-on partners, apps. So I went and grabbed fifty of them and said, "Would you like to add e-signing to your platform?" And they said, "Yeah." And I said, "It's going to save you on dev cost, and that means it's also going to bolster up your your services." And they said, "Thank you." So I just gave it to them, and then all of a sudden, we've now the back end of their platform. And now they're selling e-signing and it's us. How good. And it's Mar- the easiest way to do it. And Marie, I, I, I reckon we make the name of the episode the power of partnerships. That's really cool. Anyway, we do have to wrap up yep. because you need to catch a plane. Yep. Um, to our amazing listeners, if you want to find out more about Amrita, favourite books, quotes, more lessons, um, websites, LinkedIn, all that type of stuff, go to cub.club forward slash podcast and you'll find it all there along with all of our other incredible guests. And if you want to catch up with Cub on social, it's at Club United Business on Instagram. That's wicked also. Uh, And Marita, thank you so much for today. It was an awesome show. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the show.